getting ready for our debut as Hologram Jesus. It's V'ger, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I am your rogue uh, AI holographic co-host, Peter. Before we discuss this episode of Voyager, I believe you and I have a little chatting to do about uh, Lower Decks. Yeah, if you guys are not current on your Lower Decks, uh, there's going to be a bunch of spoilers here. And there's some pretty good ones, too, so I don't know jump ahead six minutes or whatever and we'll probably be through it but uh yeah lower decks would be the show that uh joe barely squeaked by an approval of for season one said he wasn't going to watch season two at all and so far has beat me to the the mark on all three episodes so far i don't think i beat you to the mark on episode one i did not watch it until episode two had long since been on that i caught up with it real quick you know that's a great thing about it being half hour it's not hard to consume the product. And then I did I did watch episode three before you. That That is correct. It is so odd for me to sit down and watch a Star Trek product and not have a notebook or an expectation that I'm going to have to hit the pause button at least 20 times to write a note down and just watch something whole as it was intended to be. First episode, uh, was not a big fan of. The last two, though, uh, have been pretty excellent and I'm really enjoying. I definitely thought the first episode was pretty cringy and encapsulated everything I didn't like when we reviewed it, which is basically all of the Beckett Mariner, uh, Captain Freeman stuff that just Slap got humor, just got and, too old and all the kind of entry level slapstick. I, I was thinking about this a lot. Season one of any TV show is crazy and then season two gets scary because season one's a we're going to throw a lot of stuff at the wall and then we're going to decide what sticks and that's what we're going to focus in on and maybe get lucky and the stuff you like is what you get more of or maybe all the shit you hated becomes the focus and all the stuff you like is in the minority of the viewer base and they cut that Uh, so seeing the way episode one went was disheartening for me and, and made me think it was going to be the later so two's that one where they're they're raiding the collector's guild yeah episode two is the one where you get the scenes on the titan and you see what boimler's been up to and that's like the b plot but the a plot which is uh the, the whatever the collector's guild that kivash fazio belonged to uh one of these dudes died and starfleet's helping catalog all this stuff and um lower decks is a, is a real uh repeat offender in name dropping and just trying to fit as many references in as possible. And a lot of times it makes me glaze over this where it's just stuff in the background or they don't call it out by name was a real treasure trove of cool shit. Yeah. You mentioned that that, uh, Marty McFly's fucking (laughs) hoverboard was in the back or something. And his Nikes, his Nikes in the hoverboard were there. They were next to the, um, Oh gosh, what was the fucking uh, candy crush. I adventure game that Riker brought back from rise of that, like addicts the ship to pop cap games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember that. There was all sorts of other stuff. I wish I would have, uh, went through and with a note again, I wish I had my notebook there to, to classify it all, but, uh, you get into episode three and you got some different stuff going on here. And as episode, you put it, there's just... episode two to me, the best part was just like Boimler's adventures on the Titan and the subtext and eventually actual text being these high stakes action adventure episodes are not what star trek is actually about that's actually that's the point of the b plot is 
Discovery isn't very good at being Star Trek. That's explicitly <laughs> what they're trying to tell you is actually Star Trek is supposed to be about quiet space exploration and diplomacy and solving science problems. And this stuff is just exhausting and not particularly what anyone signed up for. That's what they say in the actual episode. And that's when, when so one of our, our listeners told me like, you should probably watch this because this is what the point they end up making during the episode. And I'm like, you, you're kidding me. And I go to watch it. It is, it's literally it's, <laughs> Like Boimler's like, all of you, well, did you really sign up to be just shot at every every week? Like, this is nuts. I and so with you've got a creator who is feeling confident enough to essentially insult his own boss. Okay. You have my respect and my attention. And that's where episode three came in. Uh, as you put it, it's the C plot that um has a special place in the Vijer please appreciation pantheon. I mean, the whole thing, you know, it is a Voyager fan episode that Boimler is a huge Voyager fan. Voy, as he puts it. And Tom Paris has come to the Cerritos for a uh, morale visit. And Lieutenant Tom Paris at that. At two, he's got two full pips, so he was promoted, right? Like when he got back, he wasn't Lieutenant Junior Grade anymore. Uh, that's probably his dad, because I can't see anybody else like taking an objective look at <laughs> tom's career and saying this guy's leadership material wait hold on a second he attacked an underwater mining operation and capsized the economy of an entire civilization what yeah and you gave him 30 days in the brig and half a year later you re-promoted him i i have to say that of all of the voyager crew if you actually ran the clock out after they got back, the one I would expect to not be in Starfleet, just by choice, just be like, I'm going to go do something else with my life. It would be Tom Paris. <laughs> like, he's not that interested in being a Starfleet officer. He's interested in flying, but that's <sighs> it. He does you know, like, but anyway, for the, for the well, hold on of, of the episode, he's a lieutenant. You know, we watch all this stuff with seven of nine in, it's all colored in each hub now, and it's all colored by what Picard has shown us of the future, right? I, I can't watch the stuff and not know that, at least in the Kurtzman regime, this is what happens in the future, and that's what they're calling canon. So now I'm going to be watching the rest of this Voyager stuff, knowing that Tom sticks it out and questioning is Tom really as disinterested and everything else? as it would appear, or is he secretly loving every minute of this? And like, it's indulging a secret fantasy that he can't let anybody see. I, I, I think I could see a circumstance where he gets back and they kind of like put him into reserve and he go like goes out and does this stuff as like a favor to his dad, you know, that sort of thing. There's like, a, there's a circumstance that you can kind of satisfy both circumstances. Sure. That I think, you know, Although they're never going to explain, but you could you could work it out for yourself. Going on this USO PR tour and having to go fucking like do meet and greets on second contact vessels—that's something you send Tom to go do. Like you know, you thought your your Chakotay, he gets he visits the ambassador class vessels, the heavy cruisers, you know, the, or the... he goes to the jail because he's Maquis. Again, you know, they don't really ever address that. Although I guess they kind of would because they do name drop Chakotay in this and it's not an association with, you know, the Maquis penal colony of 
of 13 people or however many people survive Voyager <laughs> to the end. What was it? They, cause they kind of outlined that in the one where uh Tuvok bad touches everybody and wakes the Maquis back up. Was there like 30 some Maquis? Yeah. Quarter of the crew. I think that's what they say. Well, I mean, there you're, you're, you're building very relevant genre in this episode, but the C plot anyways, sorry, anybody who jumped to the six minute mark and thought we weren't going to spoil things, anything past that uh, Federation necromancy. Yeah. So the C plot is Rutherford sees that Shax is still alive and everyone's like, yes, Shax is here. It's not like in his brain or something, which is, you know, where you thought that would go. No, he's still alive. And the C plot builds on the concept that of course, throughout the history of Star Trek, there's been a multitude of ways of cheating death that they uh, very, very quickly and elegantly call out over and over. Like maybe he's of mirror universe copy. Maybe he's was in the Nexus. Transporter like, double Nexus yeah. time ribbons, the same thing. So uh, there is clearly something that happened because of a conversation that Shax has with the chief engineer where someone actually asks Shax, why is he still alive? And he gets immediately like reprimanded and sent for reassignments. And so you're not supposed to know and no one wants to talk about it. And it's bothering Rutherford because, you know, Shax died to save his life. And eventually he gets into the turbo lift with him and is like, I just have to, I, I, I feel really bad that you died. I would feel better if you tell me how you're alive. And that is when, Literally, Shax lays down the knowledge that the godless heathen uh, Federation science is so uh, depraved that you don't want to hear about how they bring people back to life. And I like they don't really ever lay the details out. Like the most you get is like, well, you, first there's the death part, right? In heaven. Yeah. And then there's the bed on, you know, about the Dark Mountain, right? Or was it the Black Mountain? Yeah, yeah, the the Black Mountain. And you start getting like this real crazy abstract battle. And then, you know, the camera kind of uh, blurs out and you just see the look of horror. This this uh, Lovecraftian stare as madness grips him. Yeah, Rutherford clearly loses some sand points as this continues to get explained to him by Shax. <laughs> great, great writing. Did you see that Rutherford's? Did you watch uh, Loki? No, I didn't. Oh, well, the guy who plays Rutherford is in that pretty pretty heavy i know jennifer hale played uh the uh the time like mascot and that Mm -hmm. was that i miss just i have lost all interest in marvel properties well loki was pretty cool if you're looking for something to to knock around with but um speaking of things to knock around with what episode of voyager did we watch this week so we are in season seven, episode 10 per memory alpha, flesh and blood part two. Where we last left our heroes was that the super holographic prey had managed to convince the doctor to commit some light treason. And on their way out the door, the abusive AI does the only thing that abusive AI in the Delta Quadrant knows how to do, and that's kidnap Bolana Torres. And they are speeding away after having disabled Voyager. And a lot of this episode is really focused on uh, giving Aiden, who is the Bajoran hologram leader, the center stage of the episode. Uh, it is really about kind of fleshing out what his deal is and what the plan is for uh, the holograms. And I really like Aiden. 
I think that he was very effectively portrayed in that he is, you can see the line where he drew of like, this is his underlying programming about being a Bajoran. And then this is how it has evolved as a consequence of all the bullshit he's been through. Right. Like, I like how that all kind of came together that, you know, he has the spiritual core and it's turned into essentially a Messiah complex. Neat, neat way of, of showing how what he was originally built as has turned into this monstrosity as a consequence of all the other uh, bits being added to his programming and, you know, the constant murder. I feel like what they do with him is such a cheap cop out and, disappointingly predictable like it's a good story but i just it it didn't sit well with me what what did you find cheap about it i felt like making him actually a bad guy was the easy way out of the story i granted it is traditional for trek to have the bad guy be the bad guy and not necessarily to keep him 100% sympathetic throughout. I get where you're going with that. I guess I I don't mind that they made him the villain. Like, it makes so much sense to me that he would be so psychologically damaged as a consequence of everything that happened, and that his spiritual beliefs would turn into a god complex, a messiah complex, as a consequence of his, you know, going around liberating, you know, his his people. All right, so we're going to jump all over the place here as as we discuss what happens to this guy. It doesn't track because he is a good guy for episode nine and then instantly becomes a bad guy in episode 10. And when he has Voyager at their mercy, he has their shield codes and he could just blow them out of the fucking water. They represent a huge security threat to them. Also, they're directly responsible for the suffering of his entire flock, right? The fact that he just turns the other cheek and lets him slide. And then you get that shit with, uh, I don't know, whoever the, the little mining ship was that they take the um, the virtual intelligences, if we want to jump back in our own back catalog of terms, right? You've got artificial intelligence and you've got virtual intelligence. Uh her mass effect they get those three holograms right he finds out that they're they're garbage but all the other mining vessels said was like you know you're not going to get away with this you can't just steal our stuff and he's like okay kill these dudes and blows them up with no fucks to give like it, it's such a flip of the switch that i don't know it, it's it's a gotcha bitch moment and i didn't care for it see all everything you mentioned here makes just total sense to me with what they set up and i guess that's why it doesn't bother me the same way it does bother you like because of how he was constantly hunted and murdered and brought back and hunted and murdered over and over and over again his empathy has been tremendously suppressed towards the people who were oppressing him and i guess because i'm such a ds9 fan and the entire bajoran storyline is about this right it's about bajorans who just got oppressed by literal space Nazis, which is what the Cardassians are portrayed as, you know, murder, murdering them, exploiting for their resources, raping their women, all of it, to the point where they become terrorists and are so effective at being terrorists and killing the fuck out of them that they run them off the planet, that it's no longer in their interest to be there. Then Kira, as a character, all of her damage is about the fact that she spent 
years murdering Cardassians. That's all she did, right? She was a terrorist, and now she has to be this proper military officer that has to show like even-handed justice and compassion towards everyone, including Cardassians, right? And it's really hard, and it's seasons of growth that come from that. Well, here we got another Bajoran character who is abused and murdered and brought back and murdered and brought back over and over and over again. So he's become a zealot. That's in within the Bajoran character, right? That he, except this one, he's self-aware that he's not actually Bajoran, that he's a hologram. So he's extended that sense of, of zealotry and his community not being Bajorans, but being holograms. And the enemy is not Cardassians, it's organics. It all fits together so well with established canon with this type of character and that he's specifically Bajoran that I thought, like, yeah, of course this is what he's doing. Yeah, like, of course he just doesn't have, give any fucks. Like, he let Voyager go because he promised the Doctor he would. And the Doctor is a whole hologram, and he made that promise, and he honored that because he sees him as his people. But, you know, these other jabronis, like, fuck them, right? I don't know if fucking care what happens to them. Blow them up. Oh, the people that keep murdering me have shown up, but it's time to show them the light of God, i.e. me, as we murder them the way they always murdered us. Thus they will know, you know, the justice of the Lord. Like, that. that's just tracks so perfectly with that kind of characterization from Bajorans. And I think maybe because you haven't seen DS9, that might be the missing element. Again, it's it's too much. He's not just a zealot. He is, um, oh gosh, what's the uh, Machiavellian? Not Machiavellian. The doctor even calls him out with the complexes. This God complex where I'm writing my own new Bible where we are all saints. I am uh, going to be, you know, the the prophet of our people. And uh, it, it's 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 an 11 on a 10 point scale. And for him to have been able to suppress all that, I don't know. It It's Star Trek. It all fits. It's not bad writing for Trek. It's just I felt like it was the lazy way out. Um, and we can kind of examine that why more as we go through the episode. But uh, we pick up with a freshly kidnapped um, Belana Torres. She's not happy to be there. She has been on the receiving <laughs> end of. I just really wanted to like again. You know, I just like, can I just stop being abused by AI, please? Mm-hmm. This time she went very far out of her way to not be involved with any of this kooky nonsense. And they just nabbed her at random. Rightfully so, because, you know, the doctor tells him like, oh, hey, she's really, really good with holograms. You should have grabbed her instead of me. And they're like, oh, OK, well, we're going to put it in the side notes here and maybe we'll circle around back. Well, they grab her. Uh, if we recall the way they were able to do it was Voyager tried hitting them with a main deflector dish care bear stare. They had the codes to the shields. They were able to reverse polarity and fuck Voyager up pretty cool. I liked Voyager drifting dead in space. Yeah, there was actually a lot of good space shots with Voyager in this whole episode. The area around the main deflector dish was all burned up like uh, like the paint got seared because the dish got too hot. And they're all kind of like, oh, man, how the fuck did that happen? Belana's gone. How could this happen? And then Detective Tuvok comes along and says, well, we got double crossed. Props to some nice characterization where Seven of Nine is like, I'm not as good as fixing the ship as Belana. <laughs> like, I can fix it, but I'm not as good at fixing it as she is. You know, if she were here, she'd be fixing it. I'd be shooting her. Very motivating. <laughs> Maybe biting her. Maybe biting her. I don't know. We're into each other, but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Where's Zicheb? 
but uh, I enjoy the exchange between Chakotay and the captain as they're walking away. Captain's yeah, blaming herself they're, they're, like crazy. They're the West Wing walk and talk. It was a very good scene. I blame myself. I didn't scan his code when he got back. You know, who knows what kind of rewriting they did. Um, I should have known by the way he was so insistent on us helping him that he's obviously been tampered with. And Chakotay is kind of like, well, hey, you know, it takes one to know one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the EMH got co-opted. And then Jane was like, co-opted? What do you mean? And he's like, well, you see, sometimes when you're around people's bullshit for a little too long, it rubs off on you. And before you know it, you're you're the bad guy. This and goes like, back to the thread that we've had multiple times here, which is everyone but Janeway seems to comprehend the doctor as a person. Uh, it's unfortunate because we thought we settled this two seasons ago. But for whatever reason, Janeway is just still always the last dog at the bowl when it comes to understanding that the doctor does people things. He's a person now. He's been a person for a long time. At, except for Equinox Part 2. We'll just carve that out. We'll just flush that down the toilet. And it over next to um, Threshold Witch. Jumping back over to fucking episode <laughs> yeah. three. We'll always have Tom Paris. Uh, them specifically calling out Tom Paris, his trans warp adventure, the Salamander state. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, him well, actually. Lower Decks canonized, thresh, recanonized Threshold explicitly. And I'm going to tell you what, Joe, if they went to Threshold, I guarantee you by the end of season two of Lower Decks, Tuvix will be addressed uh, front and center. Let me be clear to you. You won't have to wait for Lower Decks to bring up Tuvix. Well, I'm sure Lower Decks is going to do a better job of addressing okay. the situation than anything Fair in Star Trek and Voy. Okay, so back on the holographic ship, uh, Torres is trying to, Iden is trying to convince her to like, please help us make our holographic projector that we can put onto a planet. We just don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to be involved in violence. I could have blown up Voyager. I didn't because I promised the doctor I wouldn't. We're not As I discussed bad. with the doctor, the planet we're looking at is like Y class or something that's real yes. toxic and nasty because we don't need to breathe clean air and we just want to be left the fuck alone. And the doctor's like, you're right. And there's kind of this cool thing going on where the doctor can't stop thinking. The doctor can't think with portals, right? He's stuck in this, this meat bag mode and isn't thinking like, outside the box of like what would a holographic society look like right and he's Aiden is properly calling him out i think a little bit about like you've just spent all of your time literally you care for people like you care for organics that is your programming that is what you were built to do so you can't think about it in the outside of the context of that you've become so much more you're capable of it but you're still very much used to doing the thing you were designed to do megalomania was a thing i was thinking of. that's that's iden's problem on the holographic vessel iden's making the pitch to balana please help us and she's kind of willing to be convinced like the doctor works her over a little bit it's like listen you know you you too have been a freedom fighter that decided to just 
help people that you feel were being oppressed even when no one else wanted to help them i just sort of kind of did the same thing so you're not allowed to be mad right now and also would you consider helping Iden gives the slick kind of car salesman's pitch as to what they're up to and she's, she's like, on the ropes he's like cool hey i'm gonna give you like a uh a, a little sister to coach um i'm not gonna read the room here for a minute it's a fucking cardassian so i i get oops. that like he wouldn't necessarily like put that together right like <laughs> you just whatever. sat there and gave me this whole fucking crock of shit about deep that, space nine and bajorans and cardassian killing in his his, he would everything he would he wouldn't know that Bolana was a maquis. He said that she's a maquis. That's what you just said. That, that no, the doctor that. says that. Not Aiden. Mm. The doctor brings that up as like you're not allowed to be mad right now. Aiden oh, never oh, oh, brings yeah. it up. So Aiden doesn't necessarily know the faux pas that well he listen made. if the doctor's drinking the Kool-Aid, I think the doctor would have stepped in and been like Hey, listen, real quick, not only does she not like Cardassians, but she really hates Cardassian holograms. This is a whole thing when a rubber puppet got stuck on her. Like, can we give her the Borg to be like her little BFF or that Tal Tal Shiar Shiar over there? Or the Breen <laughs> with the giant helmet. Give her a no Ferengi. Real miss there. I mean, they're the most deadly aliens in the Delta Quadrant. They flummoxed all of Voyager's security. I still think there should have been some pack leads in there. Uh, at, at least, at least a couple. Uh, what was it? The uh, Nausicans. Hey, listen, right now, anybody out in the uh, the Facebook group, right? That's our Vidra Please Trauma Support Group. Go ahead, start a fresh thread, somebody, and uh, let's list off all of these species that should have been holographically represented in these uh, these Hunger Game uh, isomorphs, but didn't make it. I want to see who can come up with the most absurd. The Herogians show up to where Voyager is trying to put themselves back together, and the 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 little man uh, that is presently still assisting uh, Voyager, the little man Herogian Donic, is trying to stick with Voyager and saying, "Like, I don't really want to go do the hunter thing anyway, and I feel super responsible, and uh, clearly all of you have more of a moral compass than my people, so maybe I can hang out here for a little while longer. And the Herogen are too busy being Captain Planet villains to, like, or G.I. Joe villains, really, to to, to stop Good and call. think for ten seconds and immediately storm off to to go after the holograms without really, like, deciding to take the guy back or something. Speaking of uh, Cobra... The, the Klingassians, I think, would have been a great G.I. Joe villain. The That's true. Bar. But 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 speaking of Cobra, explain to me again why the Herogen don't just curb stomp Voyager before skipping off to go hunt those holograms down like. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was the point of that? I don't understand why they wouldn't be like, hey, I'll, it's where, you guys again. All of this where, is your fault, right? <laughs> where does Voyager get this? this hall pass with infinite punches from the Herogen, despite all the antagonization, like again, worse world, the killing game, part one and part two, not undeserved by Voyager. Yeah. They, they had that coming. <laughs> they really went out of their way they asked for to, it. to stick their dick where it did not belong. 
over and over and over again at the beginning of season four. That is what ultimately ended up happening because of that. I get by the end of Worst World, they part ways like at a truce, right? I don't have any idea have by the end of this episode how the Herogen aren't like 110% gunning for Voyager again. The Herogen drop off not having touched Voyager. And they come up with a plan to get into the ion wake of the Herogen hunting vessels. So they basically are, are tailgating uh, a Herogen ship so they can't be detected. And they can continue to follow because uh, Donic is convinced like, you know, if they find him, they're just going to kill your doctor and kill your engineer. They're not going to have any fucks. I put that as a Voyager eating butt. <laughs> the fuck? That's that's a position Voyager has to take on these ships to stay in their ion wake because the engineer is like, yeah, there's a blind spot there in their butt. So you got to just eat butt the whole way and, and we'll be fine. I want to fold back to the engineer guy. Um, also, I don't know what the line is in there, but I do have in my notes. Shut the fuck up, Harry. So I think Harry said something very dumb in one of those scenes. Uh, I'm not going to bother to find it because it was. I don't was, remember him saying anything I cared about. So if it was dumb, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I got the impression for a minute that the engineer, the the Herogen engineer almost had taken pity either had taken pity on the holograms and what was happening to them um, or that basically this entire incident was not a mistake and that this was a situation that he specifically engineered to happen because either he felt bad for the holograms and wanted them to be free of it. So like he Westworld turned them up to like 15s. So, so they would be able to like escape captivity like, because he's basically Dr. Frankenstein, right? In and, a way. Kind of hapless, but yeah. I, is he, though? Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to say it's sinister, but I, I think they certainly opened the door that he may have been viewing these. If you take out the scene in which we're introduced to him where he's, like, shooting that mega laser at everybody and is <laughs> clearly scared shitless. Uh, I, I think you could very easily see a situation where he started viewing these guys as his creation and wanted them to get off and go do better things uh, or I, I mean, tear down the society that he hates. They clearly intended for him to be sympathetic in regards to the holograms not des- that not deserving what happened to them. Fair. But yeah, so he he's he's got some ulterior motives here. He is not batting for Team Herochen. So anyways. Voyager starts eating Herogen butt. Uh, they and Paris not a fan of eating ass. Apparently, not a giver. You know he he doesn't want to he doesn't want to eat the ass. That tracks. He is a entitled whiny yeah. bit. Yeah, he wouldn't do that, would he? Tom Paris would not eat ass figuratively or literally. I think I'm willing to stake a claim on that one, canon wise. And that's really saying something uh, about him personally when he is in a long-term well maybe not the long-term portion but i mean certainly in a short-term relationship with uh balana torres I, I would have to think that would be on the plate you know i'm not sh- how i don't know how freaky klingons necessarily get they seem more like they're into choking to be honest with you they're choking. biting certain well biting, biting sure. yeah 
Like, I, maybe that's like a match that ends up working out. Like, they're just not into that, you know? Maybe, <laughs> maybe the Klingon ass is just really stank. Well, I'm sure there's okay. a, uh, it's dishonorable in the Klingon culture to <laughs> eat the butt. If you eat ass, you don't go to Stovacor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Larry's on the barge of the damned. Why? Oh, he ate butt. <laughs> oh. oh no, Larry. Why? Dishonored. Dishonored. Uh, let me go ahead and call out fucking Lower Decks again, man. When they're talking about Klingon acid punk opera and uh, how they actually had located a chorus of dishonored Klingons to sing the refrain. <laughs> they are getting very good on that show of making dense Trek jokes. You know, mm-hmm. like the the a plot of the third episode is uh essentially uh beckett and tendy going on on a mission together and it's a lot of like hijinks and sue world and I, building I, and i the the parts of it that were fun it was my least favorite part of the episode but parts of it that were fun were all the like deep trek lore layered jokes that it decided just to sort of sandwich in there uh, you know, all of it really surrounding the fact that Tendi is an Orion and Orions have a very like sinister and terrible and levacious uh, uh, reputation. And it's all deserved. <laughs> it's like 100% correct. <laughs> That's what the, the episode shows. And like Tendi is not like representative like of a new uh, kind of Orion. She's an outlier. So Voyager's eating the butt. We jump back over to the hologram ship, and that's where we start kind of uh, ramping up the crazy cult time. Um, The doctor kind of points out to the leader like, hey, you know, you're you're taking some you're deviating from the uh, from the Bajoran religion. He's like, yeah, you know, as you pointed out. Uh, I've realized that that was just part of my programming. So like my rabid faith is there, but uh, I have replaced the paradigm um, that I am observing with uh, my megalomania, which paints me as basically the savior. And I'm yeah. now hologram Jesus and you can be my hologram disciple. And it's going to be really sweet. Also death to the organics. Yeah. He's, the doctor's more hologram. John the Baptist. If we're going to get real specific, but the the turn is definitely already being made. Uh, that's when they run into the mining vessel, steal the three holograms, blow them up when they threaten to go find the cops and find out that the three holograms are essentially uh, copies of Windows 98 and not particularly capable at anything and not sentient, not even close. And Bolana and the doctor are aghast. The two people have just been essentially murdered over three dinner plates. And uh, this furthers the uh, sinister nature of what's going on. Speaking of sinister, we cut back over to the Herogen who are trying to track these guys down. Uh, I notice in the bridge shots on the Herogen loyal ship, the cargo nets of animal bones just swinging around in the rafters still, which was something we talked about, like uh, how they have vats of like liquefied prey, that soup they drink and just how ridiculous, like as much as they've fleshed these guys out now with like background story and hopes and dreams and other stuff. And they just have these fucking, uh, what's the Halloween store? Spirit central. Yeah. Spirit 
the spirit Halloween store that ends up in every abandoned Sears around around Halloween. That's what the fucking Herogen Bridge looks like, which is very clearly plastic bones swinging around these rickety ass nets like it's uh, kickballs being put away in gym class. But uh, they're onto them. So the 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 holographic ship takes refuge in a nebula. Uh, and they start playing this game of, uh, you know, Red October, Depth Charge will smoke them out. It gets a little confused because they they do the raid on the mining vessel while all of this kind of stuff is happening. So it's not quite clear about the sequence of events. But ultimately, the holographic ship is just trying to make a run for the poison planet so they can get their ship down on it and be like, OK, well, now the Herogen can't actually come down here. So we're safe. That's like the impression you're going to get. The problem that develops is that Voyager intercepts the two Herosian ships as they attempt to bring in the kill. And apparently Voyager ate its fucking spinach and decided to be Popeye and absolutely run the hottest dick on both of these Herogen ships, after they've been horrifically damaged, and it's been noted that they're no match to fight them, immediately disables both in a extremely well-done CG display of phaser and torpedo fire. They hammer the shit out of them. And yeah, you, they just, you, just fucking crush them. Like, they... It's, it's, it's Federation sucker punching 101. When I say... It's absurd that Voyager isn't back on the Herogen shit list. It, it's mind boggling. I am a sucker, though. Anytime you see multiple phaser shots coming off the same phaser bank on a Federation. Yes. It's so actually cool. They do. They, they did so much work on the details of those two shots because you could see Voyager coming up astern and shooting from the different phaser strips correctly. You know, like that the way it's, you know, all of its, basically it's mounts, it's firing mounts mm-hmm. come around and then it does the same thing on the opposite side. And then it shoots, you know, it fires a spread of torpedoes that impacts kind of like the way the momentum would have them impact in different spots on the, on the vessel they're firing at. Like whoever decided to do the FX for this episode, put in a put in that Utopia Planitia shot level of effort. Ooh, you know, just like got my fucking hair on the back of my neck standing up. <laughs> mm. that, yeah, okay. I, I was gonna say this might have been the best like Voyager space shot ever. Uh, yeah, the Utopia Planitia I think will go down as one of the greatest of all time. But uh, ship combat, easily the best ship combat I've seen in Voyager yet. Yeah. I would say the same. And it's kind of weird that the bar was so low that this is so clearly better. I, I think it is just the perhaps the maturation of effects, though. Like it, it's amazing how much better all the space stuff gets in Enterprise. And it's just it, and it begins a year after this ends. It's just that that the mid early 90s CG where this show started it's just a different world than that early 2000s stuff. That early 2000s stuff, they started to finally be able to get that down on a TV budget in a way that was actually pretty cool. And this is really an, uh, an example of that. The sales pitch to the visitors is supposed to be that they're going to get to the planet. It's a shitty planet. They just want to live there in peace and they're going to leave everybody alone. Uh, it becomes clear after the murder of the space miners 
that uh, turns out, dun, 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 the holograms are evil all along. Not all of them. Not all of them. Like, Aiden has, has gone crazy with his Messiah complex. Murder Tarsus is no help whatsoever. He's just good at murdering. But the the little sister Cardassian engineer, she turns out to, like, have a conscience. And she's, you know, she becomes friends with Bolana. Bolana actually chooses to help them early on because of her. Like, they have a lot of good sort of relationship building, considering it's only 45 minutes, right? Like, you get a sense that Bolana could buy into the idea of, like, oh, you know what? Maybe the doctor's on to something here and I could help these people. Like, it is by- very deserved. And even if you look at Bolana Torres uh, with full continuity glasses on, the Bolana Torres that has been physically and emotionally tortured by every single piece of AI that Voyager has come across from uh gimp doll sex robot to, I don't know, the fucking alien guy who squeezed her heart. Like, even if she should be prejudiced as fuck against not only holograms, but not only holograms, not only Cardassians, but especially hologram Cardassians, that it's still an effective um, co-opting that goes on here. I would have really liked it if, like, the heart of gold on that holographic ship would have turned out to be that Borg drone. Yeah, like the Borg drone was like, you know, had a had a holographic puppy. He named it Marbles. You know, if at like, the very end, they're like, you know, the holographic ship's got a chance to get like, you know, the killing shot on Voyager before Aiden can say like, finish them. Like the fucking Borg just comes up and just busts him over the back of the head with his dildo arm and goes, enough. I've been quiet too long. We're going to be good. We're going to do good. We're going to show mercy. Did the Borg. Bolana uh, is quickly clued into the fact that shit's wrong by the doctor, who's like, "Yeah, I think I really fucked up." Actually, that comes before. <laughs> I do love the Bolana. Do you think? Do you think you fucked up? Like as they're sitting there, like, "Oh boy, this didn't work out." Nope, didn't sure didn't, Doc. <laughs> well, actually, there's a scene right before they blew up the mining vessel where she's like drinking the kool-aid and feeling good about it and the doctor comes down it's like yeah i got reservations and like the the fucking needle getting flicked off the record there where she looks and she like snaps out like what do you mean you're having reservations like uh yeah he might actually be megalomaniac um thinking that he's like a religious entity now and like worst case scenario as it turns out like i know episode nine was really painting one picture for us but like here in episode 10 uh the writer room had a change of heart and like yeah i he's evil he is evil everything's right you you were right to be afraid and um i made a big (laughs) boo-boo i I do like the way they did her relationship with the doctor in this episode where the doctor is very regretful and Bolan is like, I accept that you're regretful. I'm still going to be shitty. <laughs> like, also, I, can you the, imagine the right note? <laughs> can you imagine? I, I don't think I could go to Bolana Tours and be like, Yeah, I was really wrong. <laughs> I was <laughs> really, really wrong. They, they blow up the ship and uh, the mining vessel, and then Tora starts mouthing off. And they're like, Yeah, go put her in like confinement. And, uh, the doctor's like, well, let her go. And like, we can't. We're in warp. Once we get out of warp, we'll let her take that escape pod and go back to Voyager. And he goes back to sit down with her. And she's like, 
all the stuff rubbing his face in his own failure. We need to get out of here. Like we need an escape plan. Like, well, you don't think he's going to let us go. And then she looks at him like, did, did you not just watch him? <laughs> hold I up his he... vampire cape and bring it down slowly as twirling his mustache. And he's like, Oh yeah, he's going to kill all of us for sure. It's that almost fourth wall breaking sort of like, Oh yeah, these are the situations we get into. This guy's the bad guy. Fuck. <laughs> like it was almost comedic, but perfect. You know, mm-hmm. very, the small moments in this episode are uh, very well handled. They're handled Who like, did this? they're handled like uh, you would expect actors who have been doing this for seven years to be able to handle, you know, the, the, the ask when it comes to that kind of dialogue story, uh, part two, Brian Fuller, Raph green. I'm not familiar with Raph green, although he was involved in the uh, first one. Uh, also part two, this is David Livingston, which is a very old name now, as far as directors go on Voyager. So uh, it's easy to see why these beats are hitting as well as they are. Speaking of beats that hit well, Voyager disables the two Rogan vessels. And uh, this unfortunately allows uh, Aiden to decide to beam all of the surviving Herogen down to the surface of the planet because he has decided to take that whole Jesus thing and maybe go in a more Old Testament direction. Little, uh, little, little uh, eye for an eye and uh, decide to take the holograms on a hunting trip against the Herogen on the poison planet. So they they beam them down. He's got the uh, eye of the murder. He disables the doctor, takes his mobile emitter, puts the mobile emitter on, and then all the holograms get guns and they go down and like, let's shoot us some, <laughs> some Herogen. They need that Karthik release because they could have just shot the disabled Herogen vessels and blown them up. They could have just transported all the Herogen into space for a miserable Seska-esque death, but instead they put them on the poison planet, so they start I, I don't know, melting or whatever, and uh, they want to make sure their last couple minutes are filled with terror as they return the fate that the Herogen have inflicted on all of them. It turns out if you make hologram suffers through sadism, they're going to become sadists. That's like the lesson here. Well, it also turns out that if you just treat holograms normal they become sadists anyways so uh it's a damned if you do damned if you don't <laughs> AI in the federation that. is horrific that's what we're trying to say data yeah. is the exception not the rule yeah it's a short-sighted plan now that i'm thinking about it because uh you know they've shown mercy to voyager voyager has clearly come on scene as a alpha level threat since it can completely shithouse anything that's Herogen in technological nature. Uh, their plan is to beam down to the surface uh, with the old uh, think tank AI prop, which is like their super holographic emitter that can like, I don't know, project anywhere on the planet to let them build this utopia of light. And it's like, how exactly are you guys going to address Voyager? Because worst case scenario, Voyager can just nuke you from orbit. So what's what's the plan? What's the what's the real plan here other than get some real quick and dirty revenge on Herogen? Well, before we can answer those questions, 
some of these holograms very successfully murder the Hirogen. Murder Tarsus lights one up. One of the Borg light one up. Uh, the the Hirogen are not faring well against their former prey uh, on the hunt. And uh, to try and mitigate the circumstance, they send the doctor down to try and find Aiden and put an end to what's going on. Um, uh, Voyager's able to get the rest of the holograms up. They intercede. Uh, the good hologram that's the, the Cardassian on the ship is helping Bolana try and fix all this. She, you know, cause Bolana through the connection they've made manages to convince her, like you just have to betray them. Like that's the only way through, through this is that they're not she's, doing the right thing. She's been laying the seeds of this moment well the whole scene because uh engineers and, are the ones that build societies yeah you know, don't don't let uh Aiden be the fucking the the leader guy here like you got a role in all this too so she's uh she's been pumping this handle for a minute uh i will concede i think based on what we see here because all of this is supposed to be founded on federation technology right yes yes it is so there's a couple scenes here where the Hirogen are able to get their hands on some of these holographic characters and like slam them around before ultimately the holograms burn them. Um, I, I will say based on what we see here, based on the fact this is Brian Fuller, uh, that moving forward, if we see holograms getting punched, shot, whatever, and the beams don't always go right through, there's a strong precedent that unless... The hologram is very specifically willing themselves to be incorporeal. Um, they are susceptible to physical grappling and all that. Uh, but in the end, the holograms just fucking clean the floor with these guys. And uh, you've got all of them beamed off to safety, but you get this, uh, this Mexican standoff with Aiden, and he's got his gun on... Uh, a Hirogen, and then there you got the doctor with a huge ass Hirogen blaster rifle. And Aiden's like, It's not in your nature to kill. But the doctor's like, Well, then you haven't seen at least half my episodes because I listen, I, literally gave someone AIDS five or six episodes back just to prove a point. I have been responsible for a lot of death. You, you would be easy. <laughs> I know you think you're a badass because all the people you just killed, like I almost nuked a colony of uh, space vampires that look like Napoleon Dynamite. Like you ain't got shit on me, bitch. Shoots Aiden, saves the day. He vaporizes Aiden, yet in the process does not somehow destroy the mobile emitter that is directly attached to him. Convenient. They get the rest of the Hirogen out. Uh, the Hirogen decide to accept Neelix's suggestion that they claim the hunt was successful and roll out lest they uh, mess with Voyager, who's clearly capable of of incinerating both of them at will. It's actually in the dialogue of like, or you can fuck with us and we'll just blow you up. How about that? We can fuck around and find out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they give Voyager the compliment. You would have been worthy prey. Like they were prey. Several times there were episodes about it. We watched them. Mm -hmm. That's why you're here because of one of those episodes. What is wrong with get out of here? <laughs> and so they <laughs> beam them out. And then they have a very unsettled ending, which I really liked, which is first Janeway goes over the holographic ship. 
and it's uh, Bawana, the Cardassian hologram, and uh, the Nibley, uh, Mr. Nibley, the, the little Hirogen. And they're like, so what do we do <laughs> with all of these holograms? And uh, these all of them, murderous holograms. All of them, but Aiden are still this in existence. Aiden's was actually killed by the doctor. And they're like, uh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to roll out and we're going to think about our lives and we're going to find a way to fix this. Because what else are we going to do? I mean, these these are our, our sentient creations. Deleting them isn't an option. Keeping them in stasis isn't an option. Uh, I'm being responsible for this. Mr. Nibley's like, I have to help fix this. And, you know, the Cardassian polygraph like, you know, I got an interesting up. question to pose because, boy, if I got some answers, Joe. Um, Mr. Nibley says, uh, first thing we're going to do is I'm going to roll back some of the updates I put in that made them extra murderous and psychotic which everybody seems okay with yet when that was initially proposed, you know, resetting these guys to factory defaults to like, everybody had their fucking cackles up in a roar about that. Uh, I guess you could say it's not like we're not going to erase their memories or like lobotomize them. We're just going to tone down some of the cheats we put in. Um, so we've got two, two things we want to consider here first, right? Number one is there's a piece of technology that is now in play that is so powerful it can encapsulate an entire planet in a holographic projection, right? Which, remember the big deal I made about like uh, suspended animation um, juggalo tech from the Thaw, right? Right. <laughs> I think now you very clearly have a piece of technology that dwarfs even that in terms of uh, plot breaking scope. Uh, and also, you got a bunch of fucking badass holograms that, boy, howdy, uh, wouldn't they be great to have on a ship like Voyager that has done nothing but lose crew members, need extra pair of hands. It would be Federation technology coming home to the Federation. It would be Federation accepting the um, abused children it dumped in the Delta Quadrant to a bunch of uh, murderers. God forbid you get Simon Tarsis in a gold jumpsuit and you actually have a security team, a high risk, uh, what was the elite force is what the hazard team. You got a hazard team that could fucking beam over to like spoopy planets and just kick some fucking ass. Like imagine if they could bring their teammate Shocky with them. You don't even need shock. Look, you got holograms <laughs> that can hold their breath and blow people away. Slow motion alien style or a predator style. Like, I get you can't bring these guys in because they, quite frankly, are too good for Voyager. But man, this really talk about a missed opportunity on Janeway's and not even to fucking suggest like maybe you guys should just come with us. Herogen tech dude here. You can live in a nice society that's going to treat you as an equal and let you um, pursue your scholastic uh, interests and all these other holograms. We're going to like cut back your testosterone just a little bit. And uh, you guys can pick up like a third shift, maybe, and live in our utopia. We'll put up a Fairhaven thing and, and everybody can just live happy coexistence. And the next time, you know, everybody gets put to sleep or we've got another telepathic alien vampire here running amok, you guys can just brain slap them or something. I completely agree that that is a rad fucking idea. Like, 
why not just enlist these guys as your holographic stormtroopers? You know, like, and set up a, a playpen for them and you otherwise can't facilitate like, this. We don't have the computer power to store them or whatever lame excuse. You got this fucking, this world generator, put that in the cargo bay next to seven and nine. And now what, what uh, the fucking, the Malorn or whatever here to fuck with us. Okay. You've got a holographic projector that could uncover like an entire planet. Like, Hey, put Simon Tarsis and our rolling crew on their ship. Just, just boop them over there and brain slap them. And then we'll be along on our way. Slappers only one shot kills. Don't you could even... build crazy armor around your ship and, and give Voyager tentacles and I don't know, legs or something. <laughs> like, I, I, I do like the idea that like, why not just go the whole hog and be like, instead of having weapons, all you have are these beams that beam murder holograms onto your opposing vessels. That's it. That's space combat. Now mm-hmm. is getting your murder holograms onto the opposing vessel. You could. And again, you know, we're, we're just way off the rails here, but like uh, we've all played Starcraft, right? Mm-hmm. You just turn Voyager into a Protoss carrier with yeah. holographic drones, just swarming and, <laughs> The lulls don't stop. They, they've put such crazy power into play here. There is There was one last scene worth talking about, which was the final scene of the Doctor and Janeway talking. Janeway is in the Doctor's office in his seat. She is a disappointed mom. The doctor feels incredible remorse. She's like, listen, he's like, listen, I know you're only Doctor, so you have to keep me on the job, but here's my mobile you're emitter. Stupid. You know, take away my autonomy. I totally understand. I betrayed the shit out of you, and I am sorry I did it. And again, I'm disappointed we're doing this scene again because we did this scene in season five, which is Janeway's connecting with the concept the doctor is a person. But we're doing it again. And she reflects that, yeah, you did a thing a person would do, which is made an emotional decision based on people you thought were being oppressed that I wasn't willing to help. And uh, I'm going to have to think about this for a while. And so are you. And I want to report. And I'm not taking anything away from you right now. And it, I, I think that if this were in season five, I would feel great about that scene. I think it's just way what like Janeway should not be kind of flummoxed by what to do here at this point. I wish I could give a fuck. I wish that I hadn't seen this scene at least four times previous. I wish that Janeway like Balana and so many other characters wasn't caught in this perpetual character loop where it's here's the same story and we're going to show it to you six different ways. And I'm sure the next time anything holographic related comes up, you know, Janeway is going to view all holograms as a toaster again. I just I can't take any of this as sincere because it's so weird because everybody else is on board with the doctor being a person like everyone else has grown like Chakotay in the scene they had in the walk and talk is like, no, I get it. He's like a freedom fighter. I've done that. Like, you know, it's 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 he he totally accepts the personhood and it's only Janeway who just can never seem to have these kinds of revelations stick. And it does become tiresome. Overall, though, I liked it. I liked the episode. 
I loved Aiden. I think uh, that's our major dividing point where I think Aiden's character works beautifully with con- in context of what Bajorans are about and what happened to him. Um, that that really seals the deal for me. I would rather them have either made Aiden wholesome the whole way through and put some other moral dilemma in uh, made the Herojin completely antagonistic and forced Voyager to say, we're going to side with the holograms and, and kill the Herojin and give these holograms their own planet, uh, similar to demon. Um, or that it turns out after all that everything Mr. Nibley said was true, that the holograms will do everything and anything within their power lie as much as it takes to, accomplish their goal and that every single one of these holograms was really a bloodthirsty ravenous lunatic and they all had to go putting this split and making only Aiden be the bad guy just felt like a shitty compromise and i don't know like i really i really enjoyed this this was great that was a weak part of the story i think they could have done it better but especially for voyager episode um this was great for 101 different reasons. Great continuity. Um, you know, you told me that this was coming up, but I never in a hundred years would have suspected that they were going to tell a Herogen holodeck uh, holographic war story. Uh, good development for the doctor. Great use of Balana Torres. Dope CG. Yeah, the, 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 the just the two rough parts for me were Aiden having his heel face turn or his face heel turn, I should say, uh, and them completely ignoring the fact that maybe Voyager should bring a bunch of sweet-ass holographic Starfleet crew members over having a Borg on the payroll. Also, here, if you wanted to put a cherry on top, uh, a, a crazy wish list opportunity here, when you're stealing the Doctor's program, go ahead and uh, fucking just so happen to grab Barkeeper Michael while you're at it. Too. There you go. That would have gotten Kathy really interested in helping. Ooh, send <laughs> send barkeeper uh, Michael over there to negotiation to negotiate with Aiden on backing off yeah. this murder thing. Hey, listen, I understand you don't like organics, so I sent another hologram I can trust. Yet mm-hmm. another opportunity for barkeep Michael to have been a recurring character with some value. Aiden, I'm telling you right, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Michael. If you can't convince Aiden to be reasonable, you have my permission to break a bar stool over his head. All right, Kathy. I'll do what I can. <laughs> Listen, I I understand being oppressed. I'm Irish. <laughs> like, I am the Earth version of you. <laughs> what are we watching next week, Peter? We're going into season seven, episode eleven, Shattered, and there we got uh, a fish eye angle uh, shot of Chakotay in the turbo lift. After Voyager goes through a temporal rift, Chakotay finds he's able to pass through time spheres that are scattered about the ship. This sounds awful. This is Voyager doing a clip show. No. That is not a clip show. That is the this is an astral dream warrior, Chakotay. This is one of my personal favorite Voyager episodes. For You'll see. You'll see. When's the last time you watched this? Uh, pretty recently. What's pretty recently? Within the last five years. It's not a recent show. You you will see under the critical 
lens of V'ger, please, is this actually a good episode? Or I think you're going to like it, Peter. I, I hope I, I do. I, I know you will. I know you will. All right. I, well, I, will, just... I will. I will. You're going to come to the, our discussion. Is this code and... for Seska's in this episode? I'm going to tell you nothing else mm. about what you're going to watch. All right. We'll see. All right, and we'll see you next week when we discuss episode 11 of season 7, Shattered. Thank you. See you next week.